0: Let me see them. Wow! <laughs> Can't see it. Is anybody here? <laughs> Can't see because of these lights. Oh, good because I haven't been up here in a while. It's been, it's been. Um, <laughs> You guys are too kind, too kind. It really has been a year since I've been up here, and I did, it was the last time I did three services, and I ended up in the hospital the next day. (laughs) So we said, no more, no more, you know? But uh, when JT asked me, I said, maybe I can do one night. So uh, we were excited about that. Uh, It's so wonderful to come and just focus on the cross. Isn't it just wonderful to do that? And one of the things I do want to say is out in the hallway, uh, Joe Decker, who is an artist, has uh, there's a wonderful presentation of the Stations of Christ. It's going to be up all weekend, but I want to encourage you, if you want to spend a little more time after the service, just going and looking at that uh, and meditating on the Stations of the Cross uh, before you leave and before you go home. But as, as I said, as JT said earlier, it is um, Good Friday, and it's a day that Christians all across the world focus on the cross and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And every year we try to do something to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ, some sliver, there's so many facets to the cross. Uh, but this year as I was praying about it, I felt very clearly that the Lord spoke to me and he said, talk about the access that is released, that was released 2,000 years ago at the cross that Christians have, and that so many Christians don't really realize the access to the Father that's been released because... Of the cross. And so as I was praying about it, I began to read about it, and I got so excited again about the access that we have to the throne room of the Father because of the cross. There were a few times I literally thought, oh, the Lord's just going to take me on right now. It was so wonderful uh, reading about that and studying about it again and being reminded of what. Jesus has done for us and what he's given to us uh, on the cross. Um, You know, a few years ago, my oldest grandson, Emerson, he's 15 now, but he called me one day. And he said, Gran, he said, "Um, I have been saving my money. I really want to go hear the band Mumford & Sons. You know, Mumford & Sons, a lot of you know who they are. Some of you older people maybe don't. (laughs) But um, anyway, what most people don't realize is that Marcus Mumford is the son of John and Eleanor Mumford, who are Vineyard Pastors. And so he said, I called to get tickets, and he said, I've been saving my money. And he said, I called to get tickets for this. And he said, they told me they're all sold out. And he said, I wanna do that more than anything. And he said, is there any way you could pull any strings and get me <laughs> in to the concert? And so I said, well, Gee, you know, I said, I I just don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while, and I only met Marcus when he was a little boy, and I don't think he'd even remember me. And I said, I'll see what I can do, but you know how we are as grandparents, you that are grandparents know. (laughs) I got off the phone and I started working on it. I thought, I'm gonna try to get tickets to this, you know? And so, long story, but I finally get an email from Marcus Mumford and he said of course i want I, I would love for you and your grandson to come to the concert and he said there's going to be complimentary tickets for you and a group to come and he said they'll be at the door waiting for you and you know of course we said oh no 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 we don't want them to be complimentary and he said no 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 i want you to come they're complimentary tickets and so uh we i was so excited to call my my grandson and tell him about this and say we get to go to this concert and we get to invite some people and rob and julie morgan uh, from the other church know him too and they got to go we all got to go and and um, so we get there and they say, he said, all you need to do is when you get to the door, just tell them who you are. And you're on a list with your guest to come in. And so we go and, and I told them at the door and they, they looked and they said, yes, yes, Penny Meyer, you're on the list with your guest. Come on in and and wait right here. And I said, well, why why should we wait? And they said, because we're going to bring a golf cart over and we're going to escort you around. And they said, you have full access to this place full access to this place and and they said also Marcus said if you want to come backstage and hang out with the band you can do that too and so I was just like you're kidding and they said also if you're hungry let us know he said just to let him know and and all you know I mean it was just they rolled out the red carpet and we got on the golf carts you know and of course I loved it for my grandson <laughs> I began to tell him I said you know this is a gift from God you know what God has blessed us and he said yeah I do know that. I know it's God. And so we had a great time uh, that day. But I I share this story to illustrate a point of our access to God. Now, Marcus Mumford is not God. (laughs) They are not God. But we had full access to that place. I mean, it was wonderful. We were treated great. Let me give you a A definition of the word access as we talk about it, so you'll see what I'm talking about. The word access is a way of getting near, at, or to something or someone, permission or the right to enter, to make use of something, to have contact with someone. And the Bible actually uses that word. When it talks about the, because of the death of Jesus, we have access. Listen to Ephesians 3.12. It says, in him, it's speaking of Jesus. In him and through faith in him, we may have access to God with freedom and confidence because of jesus it's in him we have access and this access is fully fully available to all all of us every single one of us that have put our faith in jesus and said yes i'm going to be a follower of jesus this access to god is available all the time all the time no matter what now, sometimes we don't realize how wonderful that is because of the cross. We don't realize that. Did you know that believers before this day, Good Friday, about 2,000 years ago, believers in God had no clue? to what we experience they looked forward to a day where they would have access like we have but they didn't even quite understand that access they knew that God's presence was somewhat near if you read about the children of Israel you know wandering around in in the desert they had the tabernacle set up and then when they settled in Israel they finally built the temple but that God's presence was inside the tabernacle and the temple but they could not get to it. In fact, if they came too close to it, they could fall over dead instantly, and some people actually did that in the Old Testament. Every Old Testament person that wanted to get to that place that was it was in the actual it was called the holy of holies because it was so holy, and the Ark of the Covenant, right above it, you know, we've all seen Raiders of the, of the Lost Ark, you know, there was the, the Ark of the Covenant, and God's presence resided over that. But no one except one person could get to that room. Uh, Foreigners, if they tried to get in, or if Gentiles, that's most of us here in this room, there's very few of us that are from Jewish backgrounds, we were stopped at the door of the tabernacle, and we, we had to remain on the outside completely. Now, women, Jewish women, were allowed a little bit further, but they were stopped at one point. And when I was in Israel, that still is going on. Women aren't allowed to go to certain places. And when I was there, I thought, wow, you know what Jesus has done for us. It's just so amazing. Now, Jewish men could get a little further, but they were even stopped at one point. And then the priest, they got to go even further into the tabernacle or into the temple. But there was a point where they were stopped. And that was at the Holy of Holies. There was this humongous curtain. Every time I look at our curtain in the cafe, you know the curtain out in the cafe that you know we can put up from time to time. It always reminds me of the curtain that blocked the Holy of Holies. It was a 60-foot tall curtain. It was 30 feet wide, and Josephus, a historian of the day, said that the the width of the uh, curtain, the width of it was about four to five inches thick. The thickness, not the width, but the thickness of it. It was knitted together, and the thickness of it was about the size of a grown man's hand. And he also said that they would regularly, ever so often, have horses that would be tied to one end of the new curtain when they had to make a new one, and they would try to pull the curtain apart to make sure it was strong enough. And so if, if they could pull it apart, they remade it. And so they would it was strong. It was a strong, very sturdy, sturdy curtain that was up there. Now, the only person that could go into, The Holy of Holies was one person, like I said, and that was the high priest. But when he went in, he was trembling in fear because he was afraid maybe he would do something wrong and be struck dead. And they knew, they knew that could happen, and he never went into that area empty-handed. He always went in. There, there wasn't a slit in the middle. He always went in at the side of the curtain. And he went in with a bowl of the blood of an innocent animal. He never would go in, ever, without blood. And that was once a year on the Day of Atonement. And that was the day he went in to ask forgiveness. For, first, he would ask forgiveness for him, his own self. And then he would ask forgiveness for his family, and then for the whole nation of Israel. He had to uh, ask for forgiveness for the people. Now, the people, if anything happened to him when he was on the inside, they couldn't even go in to get his body. So what they did, they tied a rope around his ankle. You can read, all this is in Leviticus. They tied a rope around his ankle and they sewed bells around the hem of his garment. And they all stood on the outside of the tabernacle in silence, listening for the tinkling of those bells. And if they stopped, they knew there was a possibility he had been struck dead. I mean, that's how holy. I share this with you so you can get an idea of how holy That place was. Okay, now, when he finally would come out of the temple, as they're waiting, they're waiting in silence, when he finally would come out, there would be this loud shout of the people, this huge celebration of the people, because they knew that their sins had been forgiven. But that was only for a year. At that moment, the moment he came out, they knew their sins were forgiven, but then their sins would start mounting up again. And for the next year, every sin that they committed, and you know, when you live long enough, you realize we sin all the time with our thoughts, you know, just the things we say, insensitive remarks we make, we sin regularly. And so those sins were mounted up until the next year on the Day of Atonement. And they'd have to go through the same thing again, all over again, and have their sins. So this went on year after year on the Day of Atonement. The other thing that is so cool that happened on, a, on the Day of Atonement, they would bring an innocent goat to the doorway of the tabernacle. And the priest, the high priest, would go and he would lay his hands on the goat. And basically at, when he would lay his hands on this perfect, you know, innocent goat, he would confess those sins all over again. And this rep- represented the substitutionary atonement of Christ, it represented that it, it represented the substitutionary atonement, basically meaning that that all those sins of the people would be transferred onto it, the goat, but it was just symbolically transferred, it was just symbolically transferred onto that goat. And so again, the shout of the people, they would take this goat out and they would release him really far away out in the wilderness to freedom and he would never come back. And that represented their sins being far, far away from them, being separated from them. Okay, so you got an idea of how hard access was in the Old Testament to the Father, to to the throne room of God. I mean, they could get close, but they couldn't go in there. They couldn't go in there except for the high priest. Okay, now fast forward to the New Testament. And Jesus has been born. You've got John the Baptist on the scene. He's, he's baptizing people in the Jordan. He's, he's preaching this, this message of repentance to God. To ready their hearts for the coming of the Messiah. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he's preaching, you know, the Messiah is at hand. And everybody's waiting. And, and, you know, wow, who is this man? And all of a sudden he looks up. And here comes Jesus walking along the Jordan, coming to him to get baptized. And does anybody remember what John said when he saw him? Anybody? Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He got it. He got what Jesus was doing. He understood that Jesus was going to be that perfect sacrifice. Uh, no one totally understood it at that point. Okay, now this is what Jesus actually did for us at the cross. You see, Jesus eventually in his life was betrayed by Judas when it was close. Close friends, he was abandoned by all of the disciples. I mean, they all took off in fear. They all—he was completely abandoned. He was arrested. He was turned over to the authorities. He was—you know—we read about it. They, the people read about it earlier. They were up here. He was beaten with their fist. They called him names. They mocked him. They spit on him. And then they eventually took him to a a criminal's death on the cross. That's where they, you know, criminals were executed, on the cross. And that was one of the most inhumane ways to die I can imagine. I mean, people would suffer on a cross for hours and days. And we've talked about that in years past, about the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. The physical suffering was just horrendous that he went through. But you know what was worse even than that? Jesus was completely innocent. He was completely sinless. But he took every one of our sins, our past sins, our present sins that we maybe have committed today, and our future, every sin that we haven't even committed yet. He took all that upon him for us. I mean, imagine the worst thing that you've ever done or the worst thing that anyone has done. And it was laid upon Jesus at the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21, great verse. I love this verse. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God makes no sin sense at all. Jesus took our sin. He actually became sin so that we could have the righteousness of God. I mean it's amazing, it's amazing what Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross. You know, when he was hanging on the cross, remember in John 15, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and and it says he he his last words were, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. bowed his head, and died at that point. You know, the Greek word for it is finished is teleo, which is a derivative of the word to telestai which basically means to bring to an end, to be paid in full, to complete and fulfill. I mean, this word is packed of what Jesus did on the cross. We could talk for a long time about this word. But one of the things that he did when he said, you know, to tell us die, it is finished on the cross. He he basically was saying the whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament is complete. It's it's come to an end. It is finished finished. It is finished. It's paid in full. He paid the debt for our sin, for our sin. It's just so, so amazing. And that's why when they they read this tonight in Matthew 27, verse 51, and this is huge. And a lot of times we just read this and skim over it, but listen to what it says in Matthew 27, 51. It says, at that moment when Jesus gave up his spirit, at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom 60 feet high torn from top to bottom the earth shook and the rocks split the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. How would you have liked to have seen that? (laughs) I mean, or standing by one of those tombs, you know. But basically, there was power released. I mean, power like we've never seen released that moment at the cross when he said, it is finished. There's power at the cross. So much power that that curtain was ripped. It's like God reached down from heaven and ripped it from top to bottom, from top to bottom, symbolizing the holy of holies is now open. It is open to us now. Every one of us. And that's why Hebrew, I mean Ephesians 3 says, for in him, we read this earlier, for in him and through faith in him we may have access with freedom and confidence to God i mean isn't that wonderful i mean isn't that good we have we have access to God now in the throne room where God sits on his mighty throne and Jesus sits at the right hand of the father we have access into that place, you know, and it it even says in, in that same chapter in Ephesians, it goes on down and it says, in that place, we there are unfathomable, unfathomable riches with him in that place. Think about that for a minute. You know, unfathomable riches. You know, so often I think, wow, Lord, I think we've just touched on to just a little bit of your riches, of that access of what what you've done for us. We need to explore this more. But think about that for a moment. Do you take advantage of the access that you have in him? The access of what was accomplished for you at the cross to be able to have, you know, you have forgiveness. I mean, there's amazing forgiveness at the cross amazing forgiveness, past, present, and future. And a lot of times we think it was just for when, you know, maybe for all of our past sins, and then they start mounting up. That's Old Testament, Old Covenant way of thinking. No, past, present, and future. We have love poured out for us. We have Peace poured out in our lives. Peace with God. Internal peace when we're going through things. We have eternal life. I'm just naming a few things we have. We have strength for living here on earth in that place with Him. When we go to Him, there's strength. There's relationship. I mean, that's wonderful that we have relationship with the God of the universe. I mean, think about that. And he speaks to us. Wow. And he speaks to us personally, but he also speaks to us about other people. He shares his secrets with us. I mean, it's amazing what happened at the cross and what was given to us through this access. You know, we need to explore that more, explore the access that we have with him. Unfortunately, what happens is that we fall into shame. You know, and I, I like to call this the, the shame syndrome that we fall into. So often what happens is that we come to Christ, we experience his forgiveness, and then we do something Way less than perfect. We, do, we commit some sin. And then we feel guilty about that sin. Then shame sets in. And then what do we do? We withdraw, don't we? Just like Adam and Eve, they went and hid themselves from God. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. But you know what? Those sins are covered by the cross. Those sins are covered by the cross. I remember one time saying to Danny, uh, I don't even remember what I had done. I'd done something that I just felt so guilty about. Probably we'd had an argument or something and I said something that I really regretted. But I remember a few days later, I, I just kept walking around feeling all this condemnation and guilt. And, and um, finally I said, ah, and I told Danny about it. And I said, I, you know, I, I just feel like as a Christian, I've been a Christian so long, I should be further along than this, to, than to do that. And he just looked at me and he said, where did you get that you're going to be too far along for the cross? And it was so good. I've never forgotten that. I said, that's, that's right. That's right. We, we always, we always... Need the cross. We, you know, when we, when we start taking on that shame and guilt back, we're living like Old Testament believers. But listen to what Hebrews 4, 15 says. So good. It's Jesus. And it says, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, our high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. Therefore, and this is the part that's so good, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may find mercy and be strengthened with grace in our time of need. You see, the enemy wants to keep us from going there going to that place of access that, that Jesus willingly opened up for us. He, he loves to keep us in bondage and shame. You know, we don't go, what happens? It keeps us away, and the reason why he keeps us away from that is so that that power will not be released in our life. He loves to neutralize us. But don't let the enemy talk to you and say, you don't need the cross anymore. You need to do it on your own. Say, absolutely not. I need the cross. I need to go into that place of access that he so willingly opened up for us. You know, Romans 8, 1, such a great verse, but it says, therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation at all. None. Past, present, and future. There's no condemnation when you go, there's no reason to withdraw from God. We go in there and we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. And by not receiving that, you know what we're doing? We're just sort of saying the cross didn't mean anything. When we say, no, I'm so guilty. Sometimes we think we're being righteous by doing that. Uh, uh-uh. It's by saying it wasn't enough what Jesus did for us on the cross. No matter what we've done right now, at this moment, we can be in God's perfect will because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. See, when he looks down at you, he sees The blood of Jesus, the righteous blood of Jesus that was poured out for you. Well, what we're going to do now, we're going to take a few moments and just celebrate the access that we have because of the cross. And we're going to all take communion. We decided it would be good for us to have it set up around the room where anybody who is a follower of Jesus can go take communion. That's where we take the, the body, the, the bread of Christ that was willingly given for us. and we celebrate that. We take the, the juice that was the blood that represents the blood of Jesus, that was willingly poured out for us, and we can just say thank you, Jesus. And there may be some of you here that have never said yes to Him. Wonderful night. Good Friday is a wonderful night to say yes, Jesus. I accept that perfect sacrifice to forgive me of all of my sins and go take communion. Or maybe you've wandered far away from Jesus. It's a great night to come back to him and celebrate what he's done for you on the cross. So while there Singing this next song, I just want to encourage you to celebrate the access that was given, that was accomplished for you at the cross, and go take communion.